0: You're listening to The Bird Bath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome back to The Bird Bath. Each week, we scrape the surface of the news you need to know, so let's get into it. Walmart is opening its first ever pet service center in Georgia. The Bentonville Giant will offer pet services in a central location within a dedicated storefront. The Dallas, Georgia location is where Walmart opened its doors to its first Walmart Human Health Center in 2019, and now they're going to be branching into pet services in that same location. Visually, you can expect to see something similar to what you would see with a Banfield inside of a PetSmart, or the even newer models where there's an actual front door that doesn't involve you going into the full store. Services that are going to be offered are going to be offered, as Walmart says, at their everyday low prices, including routine veterinary care, grooming, and self-service dog wash. Walmart currently offers in-store veterinary clinics on-site in over 65 stores across the country, but this one's going to be a little different with a dedicated storefront and broader services. Walmart also stocks pet medications in all of their pharmacies, and they're planning to add their new online pet pharmacy experience to their website and their app at those 65 locations and at this new location, all the veterinary care is covered by Pet IQ. Pet IQ has really been pushing recently to be able to increase the access to care by opening up in-store clinics at places like Walmart, Tractor Supply and the such all over the country. There's an obvious and known gap in the access to care, especially in more rural areas where Walmart historically has found a strong foothold. So, Big credit to Pet IQ for finding a way to be able to increase this, and I think it's going to be neat to see if we're going to see Walmart continue to expand this pet services category. And I also am curious to see what the online services are going to look like as compared to Chewy's and some of the other big players. Forbes released a survey of more than 5,000 US dog owners that found that 41% of dog owners spend between and just under $2,000 a year, and 8% spend more than $2,000 a year. So almost 50% of people are spending over $500 a year on their pets. And the wild thing about that is that 42% of pet owners say they can't cover a surprise vet bill of $1,000 or less. To get some more context on this, we reached out to Daisy Chavez. Of pet insurance review to shed a light on the insurance landscape and to see if that's a gap where we might be able to find people that are struggling to cover that thousand dollar bill or less when talking with daisy she said exploratory surgeries can be fifteen hundred dollars just to know what's going on and it's not uncommon for that quick exploratory surgery to balloon to eight thousand dollars an average plan with ninety percent reimbursement can be only a $250 annual premium, and it's paying for easily that exploratory surgery, and even more so when things begin to balloon into larger care and coverage. The number one reason when we were talking with Daisy of why people aren't taking advantage of insurance is awareness. They don't see this being discussed heavily within clinics, and one of the reasons we might see that is that the reimbursement cycle can be difficult. When you're doing a traditional insurance that you might see in human healthcare, you're not coming out of pocket. But pet insurance is still looking to bridge that gap. Reimbursement is something that comes after you're making that payment, and you need to have the money on hand to pay the bill up front. And it could be a couple of weeks or more before you get reimbursed by your insurance company. Daisy says once we clear those barriers, we should see an increase of adoption. Right now, the U.S. market's at 4%. And the UK market, which I always look to as sort of that benchmark for some of the things like consolidation and insurance, is at 35% of pet parents having adoption of pet insurance. The people who are most likely to be spending some of this money are Gen Z, ages 18 to 25. They're going to be the ones buying birthday cakes, birthday presents, and clothing or costumes. All of those, over 30% of them are buying... Those items. And interestingly enough for folks that are in the services industry, Gen Z pet owners are also most likely to spend money on behavioral training with 41% of them doing that doggy daycare, specialized dog food and dog walking services. 44% of them say that they're spending money on specialized dog food. So it should be no surprise that we should expect to see more and more advertisements around the veterinary space and the pet care space targeting this younger generation. Another group that's made a wonderful announcement is Destination Pet. Destination Pet has eliminated non-competes. In their press release, they said Destination Pet is excited to join the elite class Of less than 20% of employers to eliminate the non compete clauses in employment contracts. In that same statement, they also highlighted that they're hiring at 20 other locations and they have hundreds on the map. We've heavily discussed the non-competes, and we've hit on some of the people that are really pushing behind this. And I, for one, want to commend Destination Pet. I've been a big fan of what their business is doing. They have a unique model in that they were early in doing the consolidation of the pet services as opposed to just the veterinary services. Of the footprint that Destination Pet has across the country, many of those locations are boarding and grooming facilities. And in the most recent years, they've been adding more and more veterinary care. I think the elimination of non-competes is something that will allow them to continue to see growth and will continue to see a reduction of the burnout and turnover within their space. Last week, we mentioned that we were going to have a special guest, which is Liz Houston of the National Veterinary Professionals Union. The union was established in 2017, and they came onto our radar when we covered a story about veterinary specialists in emergency services out of Rochester, New York, who recently completed unionization and was also recently announced to be closing by Thrive. In the conversation that we had with Liz, we hit on some of the things around the trends, the topics, and things that are happening across the industry. We asked Liz to give us a little bit of an overview of what's happening and if we're seeing an increase, decrease, or overall growth within unionization and veterinary medicine.
1: Ryan, and thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners about unionization in veterinary medicine. I will say that in terms of trends in unionization within veterinary medicine, I would say interest is definitely increasing. I hear from people almost every day about wanting to organize, how to organize, what they might be able to achieve through organization. And I get inquiries from our website, probably, like I said, every day, if not multiple times a day. The issue is that organization is hard. It takes a long time to go through the process. It can be difficult to build solidarity, especially among folks who are kind of more traditionally seen as introverted, and um, so I think there's a lot of barriers to organization just in the profession itself. High turnover um, is one big barrier as well. So I think that that is one of the things that is holding back things that are happening that could be happening maybe faster in terms of unionization.
0: Listener team have worked with quite a few consolidators, including, as we mentioned, Thrive Mars. Kara, and many others, when discussing the reactions that come when a union joins the space, it was definitely a hot button issue.
1: So um, what we see is really extreme and forceful anti-union efforts or what we call union busting. It's really disappointing. It's frustrating. Uh, Union busters charge a ton of money, uh, sometimes $3,200, $4,000 a day for their efforts solely to convince workers not to vote for a union. Uh, and then, of course, on top of that, most of them are also getting bonuses if they convince workers not to vote for a union. And it is just really offensive. To me, and I will say to many workers, that a company is willing to spend that kind of money on depriving them of their power and their voice in the workplace, rather than using that money to invest in the workforce. It's incredibly frustrating.
0: Now, we do want to highlight that there are unionization happening within veterinary groups, and that some of these groups are still operating and working with unionized practices within them. Thrive for One, and Caravette recently signed up a new clinic that has a union in it and seems to be doing very well. In our conversation, Liz highlighted a desire to reduce turnover through improved benefits and pay, improvement of management at the local level, and an increased care of health and safety in the workforce. We really want to thank Liz for joining us on the show. She was our first guest here on The Bird Bath. If you'd like to learn more about them, you can visit them at NATV pu.org. Again, that's natvpu.org. For people getting out to the conferences, AHA Con just wrapped up last week. They announced a wonderful attendance of over 700 attendees. Some incredible highlights from people that I spoke to that attended the conference were Dr. Addie Reinhardt of Mentor Vet giving a talk on conflict management. Josh Weissman, who gave a talk on which I thought was a good idea. You're not the coach you think you are. And then finally, one that I'd love to go back and and hear about was the role of music to help manage pain in acute and chronic conditions often require surgery. That's a long title, but it seems like a really interesting topic that Dr. Charles E. Short of Cornell College of Veterinary Medicine brought to the AHA con. Also this week was the Southwest Veterinary Symposium. And coming up, we've got Vet Forum happening this week where I will be. In just a couple weeks, I'll also be at the Veterinary Innovation Summit recording a live session of the podcast. If you've ever wanted to learn more about what goes into doing a podcast or even meet some of the other people doing podcasts in veterinary medicine, come and check us out in Kansas City, October 9th to 11th. If you're looking to see what's next and new in the veterinary industry, do not miss the Veterinary Innovation Summit. For these stories and more, join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. There's a link in our bio. And don't miss out on any episodes by subscribing and rating the show. For The Bird Bath, I'm Ryan Leach. See you next week.